Hey, this is Dan Quiggle with episode 14 of Garage to Goliath, Leaders Building Legacies podcast. In episode 14, you'll meet Yvonne. Yvonne has a fascinating story. I'm excited to share with you, including immigrating to these United States from Bulgaria where his father was a communist leader. Here in America, he found freedom and is committed to helping others achieve personal freedom through their own life mastery. Stay tuned for this one. You're going to love this guy. So imagine getting to speak around the world, meeting the most successful, positive leaders, then getting to choose from that group. That's what my show is about, learning from the best, how to be your best, so that we can challenge ourselves to lead with purpose, impacting lives and communities. Hi, I'm Dan Quiggle, and welcome to the Garage to Goliath Leaders Building Legacies podcast, where we learn, lead, and leave a lasting legacy. In this episode of Garage to Glide, I'm excited to introduce you to Ivan Nikolov. Is that pronounce it right? Yes. All right, good. All right, good, Ivan. I appreciate that. He is a former natural bodybuilder, a coach, entrepreneur, and in the end, a purveyor of individual empowerment uh, community, life mastery. Ivan is wildly passionate about helping people move away from fear and confusion and into a place of power and purpose in their lives. In that way, we are very simpatico, my friend. <laughs> very similar. I love it. Uh, you and I were connected through a mutual friend, John Ziss, and I was fortunate to be on your show a few weeks ago. And you can find that interview on my blog at quigglegroup.com. Your story makes me excited to share it with my listeners. Honestly, it's so different. And, and first, so share with us your experience of growing up in Bulgaria. The way I understand it, your father was a leader in the Communist Party, and you were due to follow in his footsteps. So how did you go from that life to immigrating to America? Hmm, that's a very good question, Dan. Uh, yeah, so I was born 1974 in Bulgaria, and communism gave way to democracy in 1989, actually, uh, December 1989. So I was almost 16 when this happened. And during my early years, up until that year, 16, um, I was uh, groomed to be... Um, communist, and that's how we all were. I mean, there wasn't pretty much any other choice. You either had to be that or you, um, you had to be um, chased by the party, the only party that was the communist party. And the funny story is that my mother was never a communist. Uh, she had to accept uh, kind of allegiance to another middle organization that they weren't um, really prosecuted in a way, so she was left alone, but my father was a communist leader. And the interesting thing is, I didn't know any different. And so when you grow up in this environment, this is the normal way for you to live your life. So I didn't, I didn't feel like I was growing up under oppression. I didn't feel that this was something um, that was limiting my choices in life. I didn't even know that there, I had choices. And so this I feel that this is something that people in the Western world do not have a full grasp of, and they kind of approach other people who've grown up in communism or are currently in communism with a lot of empathy. But here's the thing, uh, and that's personally my experience. When you're in that system, you're almost completely blind to what the possibilities could be. And, and in my childhood and early teenage years, 
in communism, I didn't feel like I was very limited as far as choices. And it's very interesting. I got to travel a little bit, of course, only in the Eastern Bloc, the countries that were communist and around the USSR back then, um, because I was in a folk ensemble. I, I used to be a folk dancer. So we used to go to each other's countries and take part in the festivals there. And so we had passports that allowed us to travel, but these passports were kept locked. And so when a tour would approach, they would, they would give us the passports. And as soon as we returned, they would take them back away and lock him up. And this, to me, always seemed normal. So um, another interesting story is that I remember eating bananas in my childhood only several times. And this was only at Christmas. And uh, Coke as well, Coke in the original bottles. We only had that for Christmas in very limited amounts. And our parents had to go and wait for hours at the line to get just a hand of bananas for their kids. And this is one of my best experiences there. But again, I didn't feel oppressed. I didn't feel like my life was very seriously limited because I was just, they kept us blind for the possibilities. And that's how communism is. So, so since you came to the U.S. at the age, it was 28, right? That you said you came to the U.S. What has your journey been since then? Not any less interesting than back in Bulgaria. Um, I, the first six and a half years, I basically, my, my purpose in life was to remain here because I was on, on visas and these visas had to be extended every year or every two years. And so I couldn't really plan for my life ahead because I didn't even know that, it, uh, that, I'll, let be, uh, that I'll be let stay here in this country. And uh, I could only plan for a year ahead or two years ahead, whatever the visa was. And then I was in hopes that it would be extended again. I've never been illegally here in the country, but I was on a visa for almost seven years. And so I don't like going back in these years of my life because it was pure survival and, and lack of planning ahead and lack of knowing and this is this is a pretty heavy feeling especially when you're from 28 to about 35 36 and these are considered the prime years for most people and these years I had to I couldn't invest in myself I had to spend these years in confusion in not knowing and um, it's, it's a place in my it's a it's a period in my life that I you know, I'm, I don't like to, to remember a lot. But then since then, 2009, I got my green card, which basically meant that I could do anything in this country and I could stay, of course, um, but vote. And so the month I got that green card, my wife and I started a small healthy bakery. Uh, and that was a natural path for me because I was coming from uh, natural bodybuilding background. So I was eating healthy. I was teaching other people as a personal trainer how to eat healthy and have their bodies be healthy. So this was a natural path for me. And I learned how to bake with ingredients that nobody used back then. And uh, I baked with protein, no gluten, no eggs, no milk. It was hypoallergenic and high protein and all that stuff. Very crazy stuff back then. 
for Florida in 2009. And so, I learned that, and uh, we had that business for about three and a half years, and we closed it in 2012. In 2013, we moved to Austin, Texas, and we've been here since then. Um, my wife had a small business where she used to make jewelry back then, and then she introduced leather wallets and later on uh cotton canvas and leather bags and toiletry bags and this kind of took off so so we felt on felt on that business and it was pretty good for several years until about 2015 when uh, you know some other countries most uh, notably China caught up with what we were doing and uh, sales fail and since then we're each one of us is following his and her passion, and that's how the journey unfolds. And for me, that's uh, uh, standing in power first for myself and then for other people who I can help on their journey in life. So, you know, and I, I first of all, thank you for sharing all that with me because it's just such a unique perspective. I, I recently saw a post on your social media sharing an experience of being in the Bulgarian army, and you went on to share how you move from conformity to individual freedom. If you feel comfortable, can can you share a little bit about this story with my listeners? And now, you know what individual freedom means to you in your own life. Hmm, that's a very good question. And this particular post got a lot of engagement, and I know it's it's interesting. You know, in Bulgaria, back when I served in the army, it was mandatory; it was conscription. So if you were an able-bodied young man, you have to go in the army, otherwise you go in, in military jail. And so uh, pretty much everybody went, and I had to go and serve. And when you're made to do something, you you don't like it. That's human nature. When we are put in a cage, we want to break free. And this uh, was kind of a cage for us because it's not like in professional armies where, where you go to work kind of almost like go to work, but then you go back home every evening uh, or at least after initial boot camp. For us, it was 18 months there in confinement, wherever you were stationed. And you could only go back and see your parents a couple of times. But anyway, because of this and the toughness that it takes, and it's not a, it wasn't a paid army back then. So we were basically giving up a year and a half uh, of our lives to, as a duty to our country, but that is considered uh, um, like a rite of passage for for a lot of people there. Uh, it's considered that this what is this is what is the transitioning period between being a, a boy and becoming a man, and that's how I always chose to view it. And a lot of my peers chose to view it this way, and I think that's uh, now I realize looking back that's. Uh, 25 years ago when I was discharged from the army. Looking back, this is almost like um, putting a mask on the whole thing or, or brainwashing us to believe that this is uh, something noble and this is what makes us man. This was actually what destroyed the natural uh, leader in me and it made me become somebody who conforms to authority almost blindly. And this was the the essence of this post. And just now at the age of 43 from several days ago, I am 
entering full realization of how my life has unfolded and why. And this is one of the reasons why I've stepped out of power because I was trained out of it. And a big piece, a big role in this uh, has the army in Bulgaria that taught me to blindly conform to authority and not to question authority. So uh, from a natural leader, the way I grew up and the way I, I was even trained um, to become a leader of a, a party, party communist leader in the party, I was actually trained out of that by the army. And so that was the essence of the post. Yeah, it's so, it's so interesting, isn't it? Because, but there's so many great takeaways from that. So, you know, to, as a leader, though, to make sure that you don't take that out of your the people that are around you, to empower them instead of uh, have them conform, you, want, you don't want yes people. You want people that are going to bring you new ideas and be innovative and excited to be part of what you're doing because you're listening. You're actually listening to what they say and you, and you value your, their opinion. And I think when people feel that, they're going to give you their best. They're going to want to be around you. So that's a great point. I love that, and I appreciate you sharing that story. Let me ask you, please, share share your journey into being an entrepreneur. You know, how, how is it that you help people now as an entrepreneur? Maybe give me a story of why your work is so meaningful to you. Mm. And that's another good question, and I thank you so much for asking. You know, it has a lot to do with my own uh, journey. I came to the United States because I, that was a much better opportunity for me to realize and actualize my own life. But uh, when democracy came, I um, probably, as most young people there, um, I became, my values shifted towards uh, being well financially and having more as far as material things. And that's how I measured success. So I was chasing success for many years, including here in the United States, actually mostly in the United States, because I had this uh, freedom and this, this opportunity to go for my dreams. And so I uh, spent most of my life uh, living life from a, a place of ego, and it was all about me, 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 and it was all about uh, me accumulating more. And it's not like I ever accum- accumulated a lot, but I my wife and I accomplished a lot for starting with just two suitcases. We did accomplish a lot, but it was all about me, 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 and my ego and wanting to be successful the way society measures success by physical possessions, by the bigger house, the the better car, the better job. Um, And so that kind of shifted literally not too long ago when I finally realized that my mission in life is not to uh, serve my ego and to be self-centered and only kind of play uh, that I'm doing a lot of the things because I'm, I'm investing in society as well, but under the surface I was doing everything for, for me, for my own betterment. And so my, my philosophy shifted, my values shifted, and my purpose, my, my mission, my my purpose in life shifted to where now I, I consider it to be my purpose to um, help other individuals move from a place of fear and self-doubt and limiting beliefs and confusion as far as not knowing their uh, place on this planet and not knowing why they're here into full power and 
clarity around their purpose, their path, and their plan on how to go about their purpose. And this, this is my journey, and that is what I help people with right now. And not everybody, only those who are ready uh, for it, and they express uh, a, a clear choice to follow their, their call to adventure, if you wish. So why, why are you so focused on demystifying success for others? I mean, what does that actually mean to you? Hmm. Good question. Well, it has a lot to do with how I viewed success uh, for over 40 years in my life. I, I chased success, and that brought a lot of, um, I should say, lack of fulfillment in life. And one day I realized that fulfillment and success are two different things, and success is not required for fulfillment. Fulfillment is actually what comes first, and success uh, comes as a result of being fulfilled. I realized that there are a lot of people who, according to societal, uh, uh, how society measures success, they are extremely successful, but I also realized that a lot of them are unfulfilled, utterly unfulfilled, and that shifted my perspective around success. I, I understood that most people, just like I did, most people have this upside down, and it's not about accumulating more. It's, it's about raising your own level of consciousness and, uh, and being in pure service to yourself first and then to humanity. And I am studying successful individuals, both successful from a place of fulfillment and from a place of uh, being successful as far as how society defines success, to find out their unique viewpoints and, uh, and in this way demystify success because we pretty much always get to that um, success doesn't lead to fulfillment and the fulfillment is the main thing. Having a purpose and... and uh, Following your purpose and your mission is uh, what is fulfillment. Working passionately on your excitement and being in the flow, that is fulfillment. So that's your big why? I mean, that's what motivates you? Uh, that is, yes, that is one of my biggest whys. And that, that is what, one of my biggest realizations in life and, and provided the biggest shift for me. So, so and I love that. So business aside, what, what are your personal values? Like how, how have those values served you in life? Well, my personal values are health, freedom, uh, integrity, integrity with myself and integrity with everybody else, uh, compassion, deep connectedness now. I very highly value that. And we can expand on all of these. And... Um, my final value is wealth, and that includes not, not only material wealth or money, but also wealth in relationships, uh, wealth in knowledge, wealth in spirituality. All of these are extremely important for me. And in fact, wealth, uh, material wealth is taking a very big step back because it's not playing a huge part in my life anymore. It's not how I define myself anymore, as opposed to how I used to define myself. Uh, so these are my values. Uh, health, of course, is important for me because, well, first of all, I spent most of my life pursuing health, and I was a, I was an athlete. I'm still an athlete um, for myself. Uh, 
as I as I said, our or at least my main purpose here on this planet is to elevate my level of consciousness, and that's and that's more spiritual work. That's more um, a work of the higher mind. But whether we talk about physical mind, um, you know, that the one that we use for logic and the unconscious and subconscious mind, or the higher mind that most people call spirit. Um, it pretty much lives in the body and it, it goes along everywhere you go with your physical body and it's a very sad situation. Do you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. To have your mind go, come on, let's go and do all these crazy things and the body says, but we can't. We're just too <laughs> sick and too disabled. Could you imagine that, Dan? That would be the ultimate uh, sad situation in life to have a mind that wants to go and have a body that cannot go. And so health is very important for me. Freedom is right up at the top there in my value list um, because I personally wasn't free uh, when I grew up and I wasn't free later on when I came to the United States literally until about a year, a little bit over a year ago because I was trapped by my own fears and by my own self-imposed limitations and by limitations imposed on me by society, by lack, by uh, need, by low self-worth. And uh, I realized that uh, freedom is very important and uh, freedom to break out of this is, is what leads to living a fulfilled life. But freedom to express yourself freely the freedom to be happy and joyful, which is something that most people are trained out of when they grow up and they're uh, told and trained that they have to work very hard to deserve to be happy. They have to strive for happiness. I learned that that's our default condition. That's how we show up on this planet in physical bodies. We show up joyful and happy and uh, we... <laughs> We now strive to be happy again, but to to go back to go back on on freedom, we were trained to deserve freedom when freedom is something that all we have to do is allow for it and remember uh, these are two big words in my vocabulary now and when when I say remember, I mean two things: literally remember that you were once free when you were a baby. And the other meaning is re-member, which is become a member again of that tribe that is free, which includes you being uh, young again when you showed up. And so freedom in this sense is very important to me. Uh, freedom to be happy by choice, not by deserving it, but by choice. You just choose to be happy. And we're coming to the third freedom. That's the freedom of choice. Freedom to choose anything you like and also grant the same freedom to other people as well, which means that when they choose anything they like, you have zero attachment to the outcome and you respect whatever they choose. And this, this is just about as high as you can go on the, on the scale of freedom. This not being attached to outcomes is, is one of the ultimate freedoms. 
Well, I can tell you right now that's probably very hard for some of my listeners, especially with their kids or especially with their companies because you know they, they need outcomes and they need all these things. And I appreciate you bringing that up because – it goes back to, you know, I always say that profits are like, you know, they're a result of certain things that happen. But first you have to lead. First you have to add value. First you have to, you know, care. First you have – and all these – when you do all of these things, um, that's the byproduct of them. And and I, I love that you brought up wealth and that wealth is not just defined with money or a big home. There's so much pressure in society for all of that. And so, you know, it, you, you brought up that wealth part and you brought up the freedom part. I just really connected there because – I, too, believe that true success, true happiness in life is when you are free to do the things you want to do. And it's it's freeing yourself from fear. I mean, I always talk to my kids, to everyone about this around me. I'm like, can you imagine if we lived a life with no fear where we didn't have to fear what people would think or we didn't have to fear what people would say or we didn't have to fear what you know, the outcome is? We can actually just do it because we wanted to do it and because we thought it was the right thing to do. You know, so so much exciting possibility in life when when that happens. And, uh, and I appreciate you bringing those up and, and going into more detail with them. So I, I say, you know, most often that thoughts are a precursor of how we act and who we are. So, Yvonne, what do you spend your time thinking about? <laughs> I love this question. Uh, well, they say that 80% of our thoughts are negative during the day. And what you're thinking uh, kind of materializes in your life because you attract in your life and it has nothing to do with the law of attraction, although many people call it that way. It's just how our physiology works and it's how our spirit works. Whatever you spend your attention on, you kind of program your mind to go around and find all the evidence to support what you're thinking of and that it is true. And that's, that's a way for the ego to tell you, see, I told you I'm right. This wasn't going to work, and now we <laughs> proved it. <laughs> and it's, it's amazing how it works. And uh, a lot of it, uh, in shifting out of this, a lot of it is raising that level of consciousness, that level of awareness or mindfulness, call it whatever you want, to where at least you notice, you just notice uh, where your thoughts are, and you can use willpower to shift out of uh, those thoughts and replace them with thoughts that are serving you better so that your mind works in a way where it supports the thoughts that you're thinking most predominantly. So that has a big part to do, but um, strategic exclusion of negative thoughts, that is what it takes. And for that, uh, one has to have that ability to constantly observe the thoughts and maybe that's one of the reasons why meditation is becoming so popular these days because maybe because a lot of people realize that this is just about the most major way you can exercise uh, how aware and how conscious you are and it helps you throughout the day to just be in awareness of the thoughts that you're thinking and if, and if you're thinking negative thoughts most of the time and you want to apply free will, you can now replace these thoughts and, and think positive thoughts or empowering thoughts 80% of the time. And the results that will show up in your life will be corresponding to these thoughts because your beliefs stand on evidence 
the beliefs are like a tabletop that's held in place by legs and the legs are evidence. So whatever your beliefs are, you will always create the evidence so that these beliefs can stand on their own. And if you have limiting and disempowering beliefs and beliefs that don't serve you in life, you'll go about your life building evidence or putting legs under these beliefs that this is true for you. And and the opposite, if you replace those with uh, empowering beliefs, with beliefs that serve you and that help you move in the direction of your dream, your mission, your purpose in life, your bliss, then you'll go around your life creating evidence that this is true for you. That's how it works. So, yeah, so interesting. I love that. And I love that analogy. So what what is the one thing that you do? Is it is it meditation? I mean, I don't know. You brought that up. It, what is the one thing that you do deliberately and consciously to help you get to the next version of your best self? Um, yes, meditation is one of them. Let me say this, Dan. My thing is a process. Any it gets augmented pretty much daily. And so, yes, meditation is a a big part of it, but a big part of it is also being in touch with myself, with what I feel, and and also listening to the language of of the chatter in my head. And, And this is very, very interesting, and it might serve the listener. But there is a way... Well, let me backtrack a little bit so I can give that a background so it makes more sense. Uh, I want to talk about the ego for just a, a, a few seconds. The ego is, is something that is in place to keep us alive. It keeps us, um, it keeps our bodies uh, in integrity. It keeps us safe. So the ego, if you if you walk in the middle of the street, the ego will be what will tell you to move so you don't get smashed by a car, you know? And so that's the thing that keeps you from dying. Uh, The thing, though, is that the ego also is the thing that keeps you from living. Uh, And that's by way of bringing up all these irrational fears in you. And you mentioned some of them, the fear of judgment, the fear of disapproval, the fear of failure, the fear of rejection, the fear of loss of friends, if you do something that is uh, not approved by them, all these fears are irrational fears. Rational fears that served us many thousands of years ago, uh, when you turn around and see a bear behind you and you run for your life, that's a rational fear. And so that both of them are um, a product of the ego. And so the ego, as it comes to rational fears, is what keeps you alive. But the ego as far as uh, manifesting irrational fears, which is the most fears that we feel today, especially in civilized society, is what keeps you from living. It's what keeps you playing small in life. It's what keeps you trapped in a small box, and, and it, it keeps you living an average life, what results in a mediocre life and a lot of regrets later on. And so to come back to my original point, a big part of what I do today, these days, is listening to that chatter. And so I, I spend a lot of time on my own and introspection and reflection, and just pondering and watch for that chatter. And I 
and now learning to tell what language and what messages are coming from my ego and they keep me from living and expressing myself fully and going for my greatness and what language, what messages are coming from uh, the spirit which already knows what's best for me. So, so yes, meditation and awareness, but also listening to the noises within me and the feelings is a big part of my life. Love it, Yvonne. Love it. I love that. I love that. What one piece of advice would you give your 20-year-old self and why? <laughs> I think I asked you this question. You did. I laughed because I love. it's one of my favorite questions to ask, and I... I I uh, I appreciated that, and so I wanted wanted to ask you and get your opinion. It is it is a fantastic question. If if I could go back, or or if I could talk to my twenty year old self, I would say, bring up the natural leader in you, and live your life regardless of rational fears, and go for fulfillment in life instead of for success the way society measures success. But mostly tune into your mission in life and follow that because that's directly related to your flow and to your bliss. Everything else is um, it's sad and it leads to unfulfillment and a lot of regrets later. So I have a strong feeling that my listeners may want to rewind that answer and just listen to it again because there's some powerful stuff in there. I mean, and just kind of releasing yourself from the constraints of society. And look, not that we should just complete anarchy or anything like that, but no, I mean, we got this one shot at this thing. Last time I checked, we don't have any do-overs, so you might as well you might as well get this thing right and and have as much fun along the way and add value along the way and empower others along the way and, and really change society and, and people's lives along the way. So there's so much good there in that answer, and I really appreciate that. So let's let's get into leadership and, and talk more specifically about it. What does leadership mean to you personally? Um, that's, a, that's a great question. You know, earlier this year, I went through a leadership training, and it was a fantastic training. And the essence of it was a leader is somebody who has a very powerful vision and can enroll people in his or her vision. And back at that time, which is uh, six months ago, I, I kind of agreed with this. Um, but I have a, a different view on leadership these days. To me, leadership is not only having your own vision and enrolling others in a powerful way in your vision. The first and the truest stage of true leadership for me is being able to step out of the spotlight and put somebody else there on a pedestal and lead them through very powerful questions while creating a perfect safe space for them to open up and share a space that is judgment-free so that they can get to their own vision. This to me is leadership. And all you do at this point is step back and congratulate the person and wish them well on their path to their own dreams. That is leadership. So that answer fits perfectly. So I was just speaking at this at this uh, company, and it was the founder of the company there, the, the father was there. 
And so they're going around the room, and the son is the CEO, and the daughter's head of marketing, and they're just super successful. I think they're all Harvard graduates or, you know, I mean, went to Wharton Business School. I mean, they're just – they're all really successful. But they come to the father, and they're introducing themselves and their positions, and he said, teacher, founder. And then it went on. And it just struck me because I, I asked him about that afterwards, and I said, you know, um, you seem like such a good leader. And he goes, I don't even like the word leader. He said, I like the word teacher. And that just really hit home with me because it, it goes with what you're saying. You know, how do we how do we invest in others? How do we let them learn and be part of the limelight? And and I always say, just when you think you're the smartest one in the room, go go to a different room. <laughs> you know, find find somebody smarter because that, that's a dangerous position to be in because we're always learning, hopefully, and 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 expanding our knowledge and, and able to help others. So that's just a, a great answer. And, and specifically, I guess. What I'd like to know, in, in your work with individual coaching and empowerment, like what are ways and some tools to help people with, you know, discover their own purpose and meaning, meaningful path in life? Like, do you have any specific advice that you can give to my listeners on how they can discover that own purpose, their own meaningful path? Uh, yes. And just to go back just uh, a little bit to comment on something you said, leadership is exactly this. And you used the word and I'm so deeply connected with it. It's empowerment. It's, it's empowering others to step into their own vision, to step into their own power, to uh, align themselves with their own dreams. Uh, leadership is not a position. It's not something you acquire. It's not something that you learn in school. It's not a title. It's not a job position. It is, it is a behavior, and it's a state of being. And, um, and there's nothing more powerful to do to turn on your natural leader in you, but just to allow, to just uh, acknowledge that you are one already. You're a leader of your own path, you're a leader of your own life, and you facilitate leadership in others by supporting them in finding and stepping on their own path and then walking on it with confidence. But yes, uh, purpose the purpose in life um, it has a lot to do with this simple question. Why are you here? And it has to be asked from a place of uh, being heart-centered and removing uh, the ego out of the way. Um, uh, if you want me to use a metaphor, it's like kicking the ego out of the passenger seat, out of the driver's seat and kicking it over to the passenger seat so that you're true self can take over for a while where you tune into your real um, reason why you're here on this planet. And when you ask people that way, and when you create that safe space for them, that's churchment free, so they can freely start sharing their, their dreams, their desires, what they absolutely loved doing when they were kids what people naturally complimented them on and what brought them joy, what they could just completely lose themselves into something, which is what today we call the flow, when time is just going and you don't even know where linear time went, that is the flow. And so it has a lot to do with going back to these moments, what you're good at and what gives you absolute state of bliss when you're... Um, uh, fully immersed in it, and what provides 
value to humanity as well. So uh, a purpose that will provide fulfillment has to conform to, to these two rules. You have to be good at something and you have to absolutely love it and be passionate about it, but it also has to be bigger than you. And this brings me to a very important distinction, which I failed to mention in the beginning for the biggest portion of my life. When I said that I was uh, mostly about me, 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 I had a, I had a passion, I had a vision, but it was not bigger than me. When my vision, when my mission became all inclusive of, of humanity, then, um, I found fulfillment in life. So basically, answer the question, why are you here? What is it that you absolutely love doing? You can get lost in it for hours and hours and hours. And what is it that the world needs? So it has to be something bigger than you. Love that, all of it. And I mean that because, you know, it, it matches up. Have you ever seen that video by Alan Watts on YouTube, What Do You Desire? It says exactly what you said. That's why I thought, you know, that you're right in line with it. I love what it says because it says, what do you desire? Like find what you are passionate about and then master it. And there will be enough crazy people on this planet that will pay you to be the master. And it shows like a snowboarder and it shows, you know, somebody who's uh, a dancer and it shows, you know. And then the next scene is the snowboarder tattooed with sponsorships and the dancer coming across the stage at Carnegie Hall and the kid who was playing video games presenting to a huge video game conference. And he's working for this big company, creating things that he loves to do. And, and I tell my kids this all the time is that cheat life. Literally cheat it because it, it goes back to what you said. If you can, you know, discover that purpose and 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 it time flows by and and you, then then that's when you get to where you really want to be in life. And it's never going to be perfect, but why not get as close as humanly possible to perfection? And I, I, you, when you get there, it's just a special place for each one of us. And and I challenge my listeners to really kind of find like like Yvonne said, what's your flow? You know, what are your passions? And, and, and is it bigger than yourself? Is, is it something that affects others and, and, and not just in your family, but maybe even your community and your state and in, in, in your country and, and, and globally? It's, there's just so much opportunity out there. So you, tell me about dream, declare, deliver. How does that help individuals awaken a, a, the leader in them? Hmm. Well, this is a concept. It's actually a course, but it's a concept about really finding out what your purpose is and your vision. And, and sometimes we equate these to purpose and vision, but they could also mean uh, two different things. A purpose is, is the meaning of your life. It's what provides meaning. It's the reason why you're here. When you answer the question, why am I here? That's the reason. So purpose and reason and meaning are all the same thing. Uh, there is a, there is a concept of, that's called your, your current you and your ideal self. So your current self and your ideal self. And there is a fantastic exercise. It's called the ideal day exercise where you sit down and in your journal, you, you write down, you, you basically describe your ideal day, the, the way you want it to be if money was not an issue at all. I love it. I love it already. I love it already. So keep going because I love that. And so uh, when you 
go through this exercise. And there are some, you know, some uh, details around it, but that's basically it. When you go through this exercise, now you have a version of your ideal self. This is what you want from life for yourself, period. And so you have your current self is the one that writes in the journal, and then you have your ideal self. Closing the gap, the distance between current self and ideal self is called your vision. And it's usually um, an action statement, and it describes how you get from here, your current self, to there, your ideal self. And so that is your, that is your vision. Your mission is why you're here. That's the purpose. And uh, dream, declare, deliver. So that's the first part. Dream is figuring this all out. Uh, declare is finding what you're passionate in and what provides value to people and also what you're kind of skillful in. You don't have to be the best. We're not, we're not going after perfection. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is pretty much impossible. And these words are coming from a recovering perfectionist. So take that from me. Perfection is impossible. Everything in the world is in flow and it's moving. And if it's moving, it's changing all the time. So how could you possibly go for perfection? That means to be absolutely static and that doesn't exist. Entropy prevents it. So anyway, uh, finding out what your joy is, what your passion is, and crossing that with what people are looking for that solves the problem and what you're good at, that is, that is your path. That is your path. That is something that you can get lost at doing, but also receive value in return. And the way we measure value these days is through money. So when you provide value to people, they thank you by giving you money. And this is, this is how the world works. And the final piece, deliver, is when you have these two pieces now, you know why you're here, you know where you want to go, you know how you're going to get there. It's now to lean forward and create that inspired action and sustain the forward momentum. Nice. This is it. Yeah, nice. I love that. So a leadership practice that I learned from President Reagan watching him and, and being in that office early on in my career was to surround yourself with good people and never be afraid to surround yourself with people who are more advanced or smarter than you. He called that his kitchen cabinet. So who's in your kitchen cabinet? Who do you ask to speak? You know, when, when things are tough, who do you want to talk to? Describe the type of people you surround yourself with. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, they say, and you, you said that already, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're not going to get any smarter. Uh, if you're the fittest person in the room, you're not going to get any fitter. If you're the wealthiest person in the room, you're not going to get any wealthier. And so that's funny you asked this because I did a very quick video, literally a minute and a half, and this, this was one of the three things. If you want to shift out of being stuck, one of the three things is the hardest to do also is to change your friends and surround yourself with those people you want to be more like, those people that are already getting the results that you want for yourself because your current uh, circle of friends are validating your current results. And that's uh, no judgment involved at all. That's simply the best they could do. They could only validate your current results. They cannot validate results that they don't have. And so you get to surround yourself with the people that are already enjoying the results that you want in life. And, and for me, that looks like I have uh, a few role models 
and I uh, have my way of staying in touch with them and receiving coaching and training. And I also have a mastermind group, and we're only three individuals. And one of them, by the way, is John Ziz. You know him. Mm -hmm. so that's a person who connected us. A very highly driven guy, but also uh, very humble. And the other person is uh, just the same. And we all have different um, ideal versions of ourselves. In other, in other words, we all have, have a different vision for where we see ourselves in the future, but the road is the same. And we uh, support each other in that way, and we validate the future results that we, we each one of us wants. So this is, this is absolutely important. It's one of the maybe two, three most important things if you want to shift out of uh, current results and into new results. That's one of the things to change the people you surround yourself with. And they say, if you keep doing what you've always done, you keep getting the results you've always gotten. So, so naturally, if you want to get different results, you've got to do something. And one of these most important things is, is to change your friends. And, and it's not an easy thing to do. It's not, it's not at all because we're creatures of habit. You know, we hang out with the same people, we go to the same place, we eat the same food at the same restaurants. You know, we do, we do, we're creatures of habit. So it, it, that's breaking out of the mold to, to, to make a better you. So Yvonne, leaving a, a leadership legacy is really important to me. And, and I try to empower others to think about and create their own leadership legacy. Uh, tell us what, what's left that you still want to accomplish. Do you feel like you have any unfinished business? I do feel that because my shifts were mostly recent. If, if you spoke with me a year ago, you would have heard an entirely different Ivan and entirely different values and philosophy. And so I am now beginning my true work on this planet in this 3D thing that we uh, all agree in a mutual agreement that it's the game that we play, that we call our life and our reality. And I am now fully stepping into my power. I don't like to think in terms of legacy because that um, may come across as serving my ego. I find for myself that my ultimate purpose is to elevate my consciousness level so that I can also support other people and in a way humanity and in elevating uh, the consciousness level of the entire planet. And so that's, that's how I see my role. And I currently do that on an individual one-on-one -on -one basis. I sometimes speak in front of uh, groups and uh, in classes and I, and I coach. Uh, eventually, I would like to reach more people, but, but again, my true self, my spirit knows what's best for me. And so as long as I keep doing that, I, I am fulfilled that I am uh, moving in the direction of uh, making this planet a better place. But I don't think of it in terms of legacy, something that will stay behind me when I die and, and kind of eulogy kind of thing. So and, and I appreciate that, though, but I also commend you for this. I mean, that is a lofty goal to try to change lives. And so whether you like it or not, there will be a legacy there, and the legacy will be one of, of you know, uh, he, he just looked out for himself or he was not very nice to people or he didn't have a lot of fun in life. Or that, hey, without even you knowing it, Yvonne, 
You may have changed a listener's life today, and you may never find out about that, but maybe you put them on a different path, a different direction that they're going to think about You know, when they talk about their flow in life or when they talk about something that they want to do or, or their passions. So I commend – I know you don't want to use that term, and I appreciate that. However, a legacy will be left, and, and I just, I'm just so happy that you're talking about it in such a positive way toward affecting so many others on a regular basis because I think if more of us – it goes back to the whole business. I always like to bring everything back to business. Because a, a lot of people are listening who are starting companies or run companies and have people that, that look up to them as leaders. I always say we should be thinking for new innovative ways on a regular basis to not have the government tell us how to treat people or how to treat families. But it's like Patagonia. You know, you, you have a child there. They say bring them to work. You know, we, we don't mind. That's what families are all about. We're not trying to separate families. We're trying to build a bigger family. And you're all part of that. And just that mindset that it, it's not, it doesn't fit the norm of what should happen I just love that. And you can agree with it or disagree with it, but it's different. It's a different perspective. And it's looking outside and saying, how do we, how do we empower families who have to work, who can't, you know, don't, there were no trust funds there. And, and, and so it's a lot of us do have to work. How do we make that a, a more pleasurable experience, a more rewarding experience? And uh, so anyway, I just commend you for doing that and for being on that path. And it's very, very thank exciting. You, thank you. So, and if I can comment real quick yeah. on that. Um, Stated that way, I would accept it. I, I, I was thinking more in terms of stating it, not stating it in a way where it serves my ego. Oh, look at me, how much I did uh, in my lifetime. But outside of that, yes, uh, there absolutely will be legacy as far as linear time is concerned and as far as uh, the people that will be behind me and what they they will be saying but it doesn't matter to me what what powers my actions today no and I, and I appreciate that and and I'm actually glad you brought that up because I, I think and when I talk about that in my speeches from here on out I may make that distinction and 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 really because I think it is necessary to be made so let me ask you what causes are you passionate about I mean how do you how do you act on those passions are you able to integrate that into your business but you know kind of what are you passionate about mm. That is an awesome question, and I bet that you don't expect this answer. But it goes back to one of my values, and, and I call it deep connectedness. And it's a concept that I began mastering literally several months ago, but it has absolutely changed my life. And, and the joy that I receive from doing it is only maybe beaten by the, and beaten is not the right term, but overcome by the joy of the person that I am with. And so I call it deep connectedness. And that is, um, I'll give you as an example of, of, of something that we all agree to call a networking event, right? These are very important for, for entrepreneurs, for business. So we go to networking events. What do you do at network? Um, you cast a net and you get, catch fish and you pull as much fish as you can um, that is not what I do anymore. I don't have an elevator speech. I don't talk about myself. So deep connectedness is a concept where when you begin a conversation with somebody, they become the only person in the world for you for, for as long as they are with you. There is no distraction. There is no phone. There is no looking over their shoulder. There is no looking in your head and planning your answer and looking for ways to interrupt them or, or 
or step in somewhere where there is um, a spot so you can state whatever you're thinking before you forget it. It is simply creating a perfect space for somebody to share without a fear of being judged and to feel perfectly understood. And when I use this word understand, these days, I kind of put a dash between under and stand, and I visualize it this way. I stand under somebody. In, in other words, I create a platform for them, and I elevate them to where they become the most important person in the world for me for the duration that we're physically together. And from there on, I completely step away from the spotlight and there is no ego involved to want me back in the spotlight and to, to, to want to feel important. I completely almost stop existing if it's not for my uh, passion and for my purpose to support that person and for my physical presence there. And what it results in is people share sometimes for the first time in their life feeling so important for somebody else. And the results are, damn, the results are nothing short of magical, magical. And that has happened several, several, quite a few times because I now practice it because that's my default. But I'll give you an example. Yesterday, I was at a networking party, very powerful here in Austin, Texas, once a month. I was... Um, speaking with a young lady, very driven young lady. And when I say speaking, um, I was supporting her and she spoke most of the time and I guided her with, with very powerful questions. Uh, some people call these the Socratic uh, method of questioning where you help people and guide them to their own truths, their own deeper truths. And so we were there for more than an hour. And you know what she said at the end? She said, I know that I am very tired and it's not, I'm not physically tired. I, I just had so many revelations that I feel like I must immediately go back home and journal everything because she got to her own truths there. And you know what she said at the end? I am so tired, but I can't seem to make myself go away. And so could you do it for me, please? And I said, Yes, I will uh, go back home now and journal. And, and that's how she went. But she couldn't even leave the space until she made me do it for her. That is how powerful it is. Uh, deep connectedness for most people with that unique experience that they have never felt in their lifetimes, especially these days with cell phones and so many distractions and uh, so many people trying to shove their business card in, in your hand and tell you everything about what they're doing. No, no, it's not that. And I even get clients that way by supporting them. And, and then they go and research me and they want the same results for themselves. They want to be that way and they want to support other people in feeling that way. It is just amazingly powerful. So Yvonne, I want to sit here and say, oh, my listeners should should listen to that again, or they should really listen to you at that point. But I, I think the mirror needs to be up right in front of me right now. So I need to listen to that because I fall into that all the time. Like if I had to, if I had to point out a weakness, I mean, when you're talking to me, what do you think I'm doing? What do you think I'm doing in my head? 
I'm, um, you're thinking about what you're going to say. Yeah, I'm lining up stories. I'm lining up stories or I'm lining up, you know, answers or, you know, six ways to help you make a better person of who you are. And, all, you know, and, and I have to force myself. And I, and I feel like I've been getting better, but I need to force myself to listen because the power is in listening, isn't it? Because then you even know how to respond. Then you even know how to – then you can learn. And, and so – you know, this is my weakness. You just identified my weakness. So I wanted to interrupt you immediately and say, I resemble that remark, Yvonne. I rem and, and so I really appreciate you bringing it out because I think that as leaders within our families, within our companies, within our communities, we can learn from that. And I, I've met a few people like that in my life that are really engaged. They really you know, care. They really listen. And it is powerful when it happens. So I'm so glad that you brought that up. And I'm so glad, even in the way that you described it and for sharing that experience you had with that, that young woman, even just, what, a day ago or just this week. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that for me personally. And, and you know, this is what this is all about. This is about trying to be better at who we are and what we do and how we show up. And so let me ask you this. Uh, can you name a person who has had a significant impact on you as a leader, maybe a mentor, someone who offered their hand down to you, and tell me about that relationship? Yes. Um, yes, I will, and I'll mention three people who have had very significant influence on my life. Uh, but before that, I want to commend you for your high level of humility, Dan, because what you just acknowledged um, it takes some courage and it takes some advancement of the spirit and it takes some good control over the ego uh, that doesn't allow you to be hurt and you display the level of vulnerability that I uh, truly commend and thank you very much because by doing this, you are becoming, you, you spoke about a mirror and that's so funny, I was going to use the same word, you become a mirror of what it looks like to be able to be humble and 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 authentic and tell the truth. It's just by by doing this, you empower other people. So I thank you for that. And to go to the people that have uh, influenced me the most over the years, that is Jim Rohn, R-O-H-N. Uh, that's the um, famous business philosopher. And he's, he's actually the mentor of Tony Robbins. Um, and I have a very interesting story around that, but I doubt that we have time to, hmm. to tell this story now. But Jim Rohn and then uh, Jesse Elder, uh, he's, he's my uh, role model and mentor. He lives exactly the life of purpose that I uh, aspire to live. He's, um, he's transcended to some different levels. He's a very, very, very pure human being. And he's on Facebook, Jesse Elder, and also jesseelder.com. And... And most recently, Ron Lynch. Um, Ron Lynch was uh, the person who inspired me to pursue this deep connectedness that I just spoke about. And Ron Lynch is a visionary in his own right. He's he's the the, the mega marketer who helped launch GoPro, uh, the cameras that we all use nowadays, the action cameras. So these three people, I will give them pretty much the entire credit. Yeah, and 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 um, it is interesting when you have those people around you that you can kind of look to and 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 learn from. You're you're constantly putting yourself in a position where you have a chance to better yourself, and that's 
what this show is all about. If I had to say the one thing is just, you know, how do we change our swing? How do we change our format? How do we learn something new along the way so that we can be the best version of ourselves so that we can achieve that, you know, ultimate happiness and and, and then figure out what it, that even means. You know, what, when people say wealth, you know, you go talk to kids, they're like, oh, you know, wealth and power. Well, what does that even mean? Well, most of the time they're thinking a car or, or a house, and in the end, and I think what you've made very clear throughout this interview today is that it's not just about a house. It's not just about, you know, a car. It's about, um, you know, finding who you are as an individual and how you can affect others. So let me, let me, end, with, let me end with this. And uh, it's, it's my favorite question to ask when getting to people, you know, when getting people to think about their leadership and, and, and that legacy. And I, I know how you define legacy, and I, wanted you, I want you to answer it the way I defined it. So – you know, and not sure about your children's situation or anything that's like that. So if you don't have kids, just insert friends or family. That's fine. I, I talked to everybody about this. But, you know, I, I asked this question, how will your children describe you to their children? What was grandpa really like? And uh, how, how, how would you want to be known to the important people in your life? And whose life you're touched. And, you're, and, and by the way, in, in your wildest fantasy, Yvonne, how would you want to be described? That is a really awesome question. Uh, actually, it's, it's pretty short, and I want to be described as somebody who is completely trapped by societal norms and conditioning, who gained his ultimate freedom, and he stood in power as a source of what true freedom looks like so that others can be empowered themselves to go for the same vision. That is it. I don't even know if you need to say any more than that. I mean, because there's so much that comes out of that too, right? Isn't there? I mean, it's not just what you said. I mean, growing up in Bulgaria, you know, having a father who's a head of a, you know, communist leader in a communist party, not knowing that you weren't free, but then figuring it out later on in life that there's so much more. And then and then the the military comment, I love that. I mean, where you're just, you know, it kind of took the 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 leadership the leader out of you and and the, and the freedom out of you. And then you had to put it back in. And the different people that influenced you along the way, I mean, that's just all really powerful stuff because in the end, you know, out of you is going to come love, out of you is going to come fun, out of you, an appreciation for every minute because that's what you have, isn't it? I mean, we just have this time with these people and how do we impact them? How do we empower them? How do we influence them in a positive way? Yeah, yeah. And if I can take uh, 30 seconds to share a concept, uh, a metaphor that I use real quick. No, I'd love it. And that can probably expand on the answer that I just gave you because it was very short. I see humanity as largely divided into big groups. Um, one group is very, very large. It's much larger than the other group. And this is the group of people who are trapped by fear and, and insecurities and confusion. And they are playing much smaller lives than they could actually be playing. Um, and they, these are also people who are keeping constantly busy because it's too difficult for them to bear uh, the reality. And the reality is knowing and feeling that you have something much bigger in you, but you're not expressing it. And I am describing myself for most of my life. 
And there is this much smaller group of people, unfortunately, who have completely freed themselves from the traps and the bonds and the resistance of, of fear and have stepped into their power and have created clarity around why they are here. And so I've chosen to permanently move to that second group of people. And I see my mission on this planet as somebody who looks over to the other side where he came from and is looking very carefully for raised hands so that he can help and support these people who on their own have realized that they want to step out of fear and confusion and self-doubt and limitations and into power and vision and purpose. Um, you mentioned uh, earlier in the call that trying to change people. There is no trying. There is only creating a choice for people. This is, this is my main mission on this planet now, to make sure that if somebody doesn't see that they have a choice, if somebody's trapped in a condition that we call victimhood, that I illuminate another choice for them. But I have zero attachment to the outcome. And that is uh, one of the ultimate freedoms, not having an attachment to outcome and respecting the choice of the individual. So if somebody's raising their hand, they're ready to move. But if they're not raising their hand and I've created a choice for them, then I respect their choice to stay exactly where they're at because that's it, zero attachment to the outcome. So this is how I see uh, my life. And, uh, and uh, I use this metaphor for, uh, of a stadium, a stadium of um, a soccer field. You know, in soccer, there are 22 players, and stadiums are pretty large, 50,000, 60,000 people. This is a micro-representation of how life goes for most people. There are 22 players who are playing the, lake, the, the game of their life, and there are 50,000, 60,000 people sitting on the benches watching how other people are uh, living their greatness. I love that. I'm just telling you I do. I mean, that is such a great analogy, such a great example. And so if I can be there as a source who uh, watches for people who realize that they want more from life and they're ready to step out of the benches and into the field, then I'm there, there to fully support them. And that's, that's as short as I can put it. That is incredible. I mean, I will admit, gave me the chills. I mean, I, I just think that's such a, can't end this any better. So, Yvonne, thank you for your time. Thanks for everything you do. I mean, thank you for having, allowing my listeners to listen to your answers and, and, and your insight and your authenticity. Uh, you can check out uh, Yvonne at his website. Go ahead and give me, give me your website if you don't mind. Yes, it's com, And um, these days, very frequently on Facebook, uh, forward slash Yvonne.m is in Mary.Nikolov, N-I-K-O-L-O-V. And that, that'd be my Facebook address. So these two places are the main places. And by I the way, that's, that's I-V-A-N and then N-I-K-O-L-O-V. OV.com and uh, and corresponding social media sites. We'll be sure to include those in the show notes. Yvonne, I look forward to staying connected. Thank you so much for your time today. Well, Dan, thank you for having me on this podcast. And to the listener, uh, final message. There is nothing holding you back in fear. 
um, and it's all available to you, and it is your choice. And my invitation is that you step into your full power and you live this thing that we call life because we only get got one shot of it. Well said. Thank you so much, Yvonne. Thank you, Dan. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please remember to subscribe to the show. Don't just listen, subscribe. This will help others discover us. And please, as a personal favor to me, write a review. When you subscribe to the Garage to Goliath podcast and write a review, it boosts our ratings. Ratings in turn help others find the show. Please also share this podcast with friends and family so together we can take our next Garage to Goliath step.